Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, tennis fans, and welcome to episode 19 of The Passing Shot. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Passing Shot, your ultimate tennis catch-up podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Joel. And the Australian Open is well underway with the first round matches all completed. So we're going to be delving in to the draw, taking a look back at the key moments so far and giving you our eight things that we've learnt so far from Down Under. How have you been, Joel? Have you been watching much of the uh, tennis? Yep. Hi, Kim. Yeah, I've been staying up late and then having to get up for work quite early. So the amount of sleep I'm getting is quite minimal at the moment. But I'm sure a lot of other tennis fans are going through the motions as well. Yeah, I think if, if you're there, you know, it's, I think it's impossible to, to be able to watch it, whether you're there live or, you know, watching on the other side of the world and go about your daily tasks and get enough sleep. But it's like the two week sacrifice that we make in pursuit of tennis but we love it really don't we all the excitement and the drama right so um so much sort of has kind of happened already we're going to begin with kind of you know what everyone's been talking about which is um Andy Murray's potentially last ever match uh at uh Melbourne Park at the Australian Open against Roberto Bautista Agut yeah it was uh it was a really good match. I think it was a lot more competitive than a lot of people were expecting. I was going into the match thinking, when is he going to retire? Is it going to be in set one, two or three? I thought it was going to be a very easy victory for Batista Agut. But yeah, it turned into it turned into a classic. And for it to go to a fifth set, I got kind of got goosebumps kind of following it at work. Um, it was obviously a shame that Murray couldn't complete the, the fairy tale result, but it was quite a way to, to go out on. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely thought he might win at, at one point. You know, when he, he got into the fifth set, I was thinking, could this be, you know, some miraculous ending? But um, I think he said, you know, after the match, there's no way he would have been able to play had he actually won. So I think a loss was, you know, actually better for him um, in the long run. But I mean, what I found interesting was afterwards in his post-match interview, he said something along the lines of, oh, if this is to be my last match here. And I think that's just got everyone thinking, maybe there's still some like last remnant of hope. Maybe he will be back. I don't know. What did you read into that? Yeah, it's a tough one because I think in the press conference afterwards, it was kind of like there were two avenues he could go down. One is like the Andy Murray farewell tour, which ends at Wimbledon. Or the second route is go in and have another surgery and try and get fit again. 
and it sounds like it sounds like he wants to take the the surgery route and we'll i guess we'll we'll you know that'll develop um over over time over the next few weeks but yeah i um i was not i was not expecting that i think a lot of the crowd a lot of the media were kind of anticipating you know his match here to be his last you know we had a retirement we had a retirement video that lasted like four four minutes yeah yeah and it was kind of a bit awkward after he um <laughs> kind of said that you know don't don't count me out just yet well he certainly wouldn't be the first player to you know retire and then come back i mean so many have done that i mean Leighton hewitt's technically retired but still competing so yeah we'll see we'll see i think he said that he would be making a decision within the next week so whatever he does i hope you know he is the best for him but it's you know it doesn't look good either way but uh we'll see how that goes but certainly i'm glad that if that was to be his last match that it was we saw some of the you know the andy that we love didn't we um him his fire his determination and uh, i think he actually said that he'd only been he only took two paracetamol during the whole of that match which was quite incredible given the amount of pain he's in so obviously the adrenaline was kind of kicking in um in that one yeah it was great to kind of see also judy there with jamie yeah uh, you know there was so many emotions going on and really kind of great really great match that it just put you through yeah it just had so many emotions going through that entire match from from the first point absolutely yeah it was a very emotional experience it would have been great to have been there live so anyone who who was there you know i hope they sort of made the most of that moment because it's yeah potentially a very historic occasion yeah so uh so that right let's let's put andy murray aside for now and move on to point two and we're talking about the lack of upsets and actually any real shocks in in round one both in the men and women's sides yeah, like when we both looked at the draw and um, when it came out, there were quite a, a few matches that, you know, sprang to mind that we thought would be quite interesting. We had, I don't know, Ryonich versus Kyrgios, Wawrinka versus Gulbis. Oh, gosh, some other ones. that You know, two days of tennis and my brain's dead. Um, <laughs> but actually, interestingly, there's not been many seeds falling. Some of the matches that were kind of maybe anticipated to be uh, slamming as haven't been. I'll just go through. You know, let's do the men's and and the women's. So on the men's side, we've we've lost four seeds in round one. So we had Kyle Edmund, maybe in a not so surprising defeat. He lost to Thomas Burdich. John Isner lost uh, to Riley Apelga, her young yeah, up and coming American. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I was kind of a little bit surprised by that. But then two Americans who probably know each other's game. And I think Riley Apalka, I heard a statistic that actually he's seven foot tall. So I think I think in our last episode we said Karlovich is the tallest player. <laughs> but I think Riley Apalka actually uh, trumps that. So, I mean, seven seven foot is just crazy. But And that was classically tie-break sets as well mm. in that match. Um, you know, could it be anything but... So, yeah, Isner's fallen. He's the highest seed to have fallen. Edmund's gone. Uh, Cecinato who I didn't even realise... I mean, I know he got to the Roland Garros semi-finals last year and is actually seeded 17th for this, but he's sort of not really on my radar. So, um, And then St- Steve Johnson has also fallen. So 
only you know four four men seeds out but i can certainly remember other slams where we've had an awful lot more going mm. and then as for the women we've had five seeds um go out in in round one so the the top seed to have fallen is daria kazakina um the young russian player but she has had a terrible start to the year with no form going into ao so maybe not so surprising Yulia Gerges lost and she won the um, Auckland tournament. So maybe she, I don't know, has played too much coming in to AO. Uh, but we also had uh, Ostapenko losing. Again, she hasn't really had any form coming in. Yeah. And also she was so. up against uh, Sakari from Greece. Yes, and she's a really um, very decent good, prospect. Yeah, decent. So again, that's, you know, is that really an upset? You know, a seed's gone, but it's it's not really like a big shock. Um Michaela Bazanescu, she is a seed, but she lost to Venus Williams, which, you know, was a close three-set match. But again, not really an, an upset. <laughs> and then Sibulkova also lost. So there really hasn't been many, uh, you know, shocking defeats for like top seeds in the first round, at, like we've seen in some other recent slams. So it's been quite calm, actually. Yeah, um, I I would say that a few seeds have kind of danced with... <laughs> An early round exit. <laughs> Simona Halep springs to mind. That was a very tough opponent in the first round in Kaya Kanepi. And there were, I felt there were kind of moments where I was thinking, oh, is she going to, you know, is she going to exit out in the first round? But she pulls through. In the men's side, Dominic Team and uh, Nishikuri also got taken to five sets. So there were definitely some moments where <laughs> players were kind yeah. of circling <laughs> with, with exiting but yeah, at the moment for the for a first round, no kind of highlight, you know, you know, very no kind of seeds, you know, in the very top tier uh, exiting. Yeah, no, no sort of. I mean, th- I think the most dramatic match was you know the Andy Murray match. So I'm sure there will be more like you know humding and matches <laughs> to come. Um, we've only just done the first round, but uh, yeah, we, remains to be seen. Follow that. Actually, interesting that you mentioned Simona Halep because that kind of brings us to our third point that we kind of wanted to focus on, which is really that she has got the draw from hell. I think she might have the toughest draw uh, to win a slam that's maybe been ever ever uh, faced by a number one women's seed. Yeah, I've, I would have looked at her draw and I would have thought, man, why did I become world number one in the first place? <laughs> Kai Kanepi in round one. And then she's got uh, Kenin from America in round two, who's been on some, she had some pretty good pre-AO form. Uh, did she? What did she she won Hobart. Yeah, so she won a tournament last week. Yeah, she won Hobart. And then, and then, you know, after that, she's only gone and got um, Serena Williams in. Oh, sorry, Venus Williams in round three, and then potentially Serena Williams in round four. So, some really tough matches in that in that first yeah. match for Simona Hallett. <laughs> I know. I think if she gets through that, it would then be Pliskova in the quarters who won the Brisbane tournament. So again, really in form. And then a semi against Naomi Osaka. And then what the final would be, what, Kerber. So it's like a gauntlet of, I don't know, crazy matches that she'd have to to play to justify her seeding. Yeah, I think definitely if I was Halep, it's, it definitely, I think, focuses her on each match. Almost like that mentality of taking one match at a time. You know, it's not about, she can't think about, you know, being in that second week already. She's going to be, she's got to get match tough um, and, yeah, really kind of focus on 
putting these performances in uh, from day one and she you know proved that against she did that against Kanepi but it certainly was she certainly didn't have it all her own way no exactly and um that actually uh, we should mention really uh, another point that we wanted to make uh if Halep doesn't you know win the tournament or or do so I mean she's got so many points to defend because she reached the final last year um but there are actually nine players that could now become world number 1 uh, depending on their results by the end of the Australian Open. So um, do you know who those nine players would be? Have you, have you been doing all the number crunching, Joel? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've, seen, I've seen some of them. Why don't, you, why, don't you go, why don't you listen for me, Kim? Okay, so Sloane <laughs> Stephens could be number one uh, if she reaches the quarterfinals. Um, Osaka could be number one, again, if she reaches the quarters. Kvitova, if she reaches the quarters. Kerber, if she reaches the semis. Svitolina, if she reaches the final. Pliskova, if she reaches the final. Kiki Burtons, if she <laughs> reaches the final. And then Wozniacki, if she retains the title. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what each of those players, like that's what they would need to do, but I'm not sure, you know, how that would then work with other what the other players need to do as well. Um, so it's a bit confusing, but someone worked all of this out um, in relation to the point. So basically, it, it could be anyone's game. Um, who, who, and... who, who are you thinking, Kim, from those nine? Oh, or, or Halep? Gosh. Or do you think Halep, you know? I don't see Halep doing it because she's been in such terrible form, really, coming in to the tournament and beating Kanepi today. You know, it was, it was tight. And I, I'm sure she's pleased that she got over the finish line, but... I just, unless she can play herself into form, I just think, you know, she doesn't have Darren Cahill anymore. Not to say she can't do it on her own, but, you know, a lot's changed. And, I mean, Kvitova is coming in, having won Sydney, so she's in good form. But Kerber, Kerber's reliable. You know, Osaka played really well today. She won her match in straight sets. Um, I mean, I don't know if you saw any of the Serena match. She sort of annihilated her opponent, but she's to the, po- to the point she made ranked. her cry. I think. Oh God, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure if she made her cry. <laughs> yeah, but... she made. She made her cry. Oh uh, no, she won. I've... I'm pretty sure her opponent <laughs> won five points in the first set. And oh, um... Tatiana Maria. Yeah, I think I heard at one point um, Maria's first serve percentage was as low as seven <laughs> percent which uh is never going to win you any tennis match so yeah uh we'll see we'll see how if serena wins i don't know where her ranking would then go up to but the point is that it's really anyone's game and you know Halep may not be world number one for very much longer um interestingly sharapova she thrashed uh her opponent yeah which brings (laughs) us to the brits yeah Yeah, which brings us to the brits so uh brits kind of very mixed bag of results we've had a few victories but the majority uh majority of the brits uh australian open has ended already in defeat hasn't it yeah we we have already touched on kyle edmund who kind of went out on a whimper i think against thomas burditch we kind of already highlighted in our previous episode that Tomic Burditch is getting back to form in uh, in in Doha. Was it in, Poon- in Pune? Oh, no, it was Doha, yeah. In Doha. So, um, yeah, that was a shame given that he's <laughs> had loads of points to defend from from last year. 
Heather Watson as well came up against Petra Martic, uh, 31st seed. And again, within kind of, you know, we were kind of two hours. She was the first person to be eliminated from the tournament. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Within two hours, we already had two Brits out, I think, because as you said, Harriet Dart against Maria Sharapova. And we kind of earmarked, yeah, Harriet Dart has been in good form at the start of the season. Mm. You know, came through uh, qualifying, I think, in Brisbane and won a main and won a main round main draw match as well. But coming up against Maria Sharapova, maybe she was overawed by the situation. Maybe she just couldn't deal with the the power from Sharapova. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, she fell to a, a double bagel defeat. Um, but what I, what was really interesting actually was Sharapova. I think it was in a few years ago she in the australian open in her first round and second round dished out two double bagels consecutively <laughs> wow so she's got form with that but yeah I, i'm sure harriet dart will learn from that experience and she shouldn't she shouldn't mm. dwell too much on it and i think it i think it will you know in you know, give her time i think you know her results will push her will push her further up in the rankings yeah, I think um, the scoreline maybe didn't necessarily, you know, I think she deserved to, she had game points. You know, so it, she could have, you know, had a bit more of a respectable scoreline. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she'll certainly learn from that. And just kind of on the, the final loss from the Brits in, in round one was from Cameron Norrie, which was perhaps the most surprising. Um, yeah. The I, I, I don't know if you were talking about it, Kim, but is, is there such a thing as the Auckland curse? There is. There is. Well, there is now. (laughs) (laughs) So all four of the semi-finalists of the Auckland tournament, which was the week before uh, Australian Open, they all lost in the first round. So I think there is a lot to be said for, you know, maybe playing two weeks before a slam, but the week before maybe, maybe you don't want to play because you're just, I don't know, overplay. And you just, a lot, I think all of those players as well were scheduled for the first day of the AO and I think a lot of them were a bit disgruntled at the scheduling um obviously the Auckland final was on the Saturday you know not the Sunday so they do allow that day in between but I just think yeah players maybe want to revise their schedules because it seems that it might be more of a hindrance than a benefit going into the slams but on a more positive note we had uh Katie Bolter uh, against Ekaterina Makarova, very kind of tough opponent, bolter, unproven uh, at Grand Slam level. Very uh, came through very well. I think she even dished out a six love in the in the first set as well. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> I don't think we saw that coming. I thought Mac. I, I I think I underestimated Katie Bolter. I thought Makarova had her number, but you know, really nice surprise. I thought it was quite funny. I don't know if you managed to see this on on twitter but in the katie bolter won the final set in a championship tie break but in her head she thought the tie break was a normal tie break she started celebrating it was i mean imagine if she then you know started you know playing carrying on the tie break and imagine if she'd lost i just think that must have that would have been like the worst feeling wouldn't it after after thinking that you'd won like um but i think it was easy to forget that the rules had changed because in that sort of situation, you know, they hadn't... I understand bringing it in in a men's fifth set match, but for a, for a ladies match, I don't know, like it's maybe... I don't know. It, 
it doesn't seem like it's as much of a a, necess- a necessity, you know, for the women's because uh, it's only three sets. But well, but I yeah, feel like should... it should be a necessity for the Brits because Conta again, yes, went into final, you know, final set championship tiebreak, whatever you want to call it, and mm. again came out yeah. against Tom Janovic, who beat her in the previous week. Yeah, exactly. I I so pleased that Jay managed to like avenge that defeat. Uh, yeah, she'd lost to her in Brisbane so a few weeks ago. Uh, a few weeks ago. So. And um, yeah, I Joe's Joe's through, and she's playing Muguruza next. So <laughs> I don't know how she's going to fare against uh, Muguruza, but I'm just yeah pleased that she she got through the first round, and we live to fight another day. We've got some Brits still in action. <laughs> yeah, and we had in the in the men's side with Dan Evans as well, coming through quite easily, actually, against Tatsuma Ito. Ito. Mm. And he now plays Roger Federer. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah. So, last last Brit standing, who do you think who do you think it's going to be? Uh, Evans, who's Katie Balter playing or next? Conta? Who's, I'm just looking at my draw. Who is Katie Balter playing? She's got a uh, oh, Sabalenka. <sighs> Yeah, tasty matches there. At least match. you know. At least, um, yeah. I mean, in all of those matches, you know, none of the Brits are kind of expected to win, which might help them. They can just go for it. So, and yeah. as you, as you told me, Kim uh, Federer is scheduled for a day session match. Um, Indeed, what, what happened actually, the last uh, time he was in a day session match? He lost in the U.S. Open. He had day session against John Millman. Lo and behold, loss. So <laughs> it, the, the writing, you know, the writing's on the wall. Dan Evans, you know, maybe this is a sign. <laughs> um, incidentally, if anyone's yeah listening to this after this match, you know, Dan Evans has probably only ended up getting like four games or something. But, you know, we had hope. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, Rafa, Rafa's got the, the night session against uh, Matthew Ebden. So... He's uh, one of the only remaining Australian hopes, um, which actually, talking of Australian tennis, I don't know if you saw, but I thought this was quite interesting. And this is kind of the next thing, the next point we wanted to raise, really. Number five. It was, um, yeah. yeah, the fifth thing we've learned from uh, AA so far is that kind of Aussie tennis, well, especially the men's tennis, it's sort of in a bit of a state of, I don't know, upheaval. There's a lot of a lot disgruntlement of... Yeah. going on because uh, Bernard Tomic came out in a presser and sort of had a real go at uh, Leighton Hewitt and, and the Australian Tennis uh, Federation. I don't know if you saw much of that conference that he was his interview. I got the I, I, I saw it fleetingly. I got the gist that he's basically annoyed at Leighton Hewitt. Yeah, he basically said, um, you know, Leighton here has made a big song and dance about retiring. I remember a couple of years ago, you know, he sort of was like, this is my last, you know, AO, I'm retiring. So, you know, he had the usual, like, farewell, all the attention, blah de blah And then he's, every year since, he's been back playing doubles. So Bernard Tomich was just like, he needs to just go away. He said he's retired. Why doesn't he just retire? Yeah, he's still here playing tennis. And his his point was that all of the players that Leighton Hewitt sort of, is affiliated with or mentoring, you know, they all get the wild cards into like AO and they sort of seem to get preferential treatment by the Federation. The ones that aren't kind of under Leighton Hewitt's 
sort of spell just just don't he's just basically saying it's very biased there's a lot of favoritism and all because of Leighton Hewitt and his influence um but I mean take that as you will I mean Bernard Tomich you know he's been quite a controversial character over the years of some of the stuff that he said but I just thought it was quite interesting because you know I thought he did he did have a point about the fact that Leighton Hewitt said he you know he's retired yet he's still you know around playing tennis basically yeah and if we look at kind of all the, the Aussies in the draw, you know, before the first round, if you looked at all of them, you'd say that the draw wasn't kind to the majority of them. Mm. You know, Yeah, they had some tough, tough draws. Yeah, I mean, they've had, got a lot uh, of players in the draw. but We had Kyrgios versus Milos Renic, which, you know, a few years ago, that could have been a fourth round quarterfinal sort of type matchup. But uh, we find it in... Australian Open 2019 in the first round and yeah Rayanich came through in three sets Tomic uh, came up against 2018 runner-up in Marin Silic uh, and was not able to was not able to win Kokinakis I think suffered a pectoral injury and had yeah. to did he, he, did retired. he retire yeah yeah to, um, yeah so he he retired and then you have you know even kind of the probably the biggest hope on the men's side in the youngster Alex Alex Dumanur he even though as a seed uh, couldn't couldn't face anyone completely daunting in the first round could potentially face Nadal in the fir- in the third round yeah cuz uh, interestingly Rafa could face three Aussies in a row cuz he beat James Duckworth who's a Aussie wild card and then he's now playing Matt Ebden uh, second round so if he gets through that he'll is due to play Alex de Menor, so he's just sort of taking all the Aussies on. Um, but yeah, they haven't had a great a great tournament, uh, but I think all their hopes really do rest on Alex de Menor. Um, I keep <laughs> I keep accidentally saying Manure when I say his name, um, but that actually, I mean, that's about Aussie men, Aussie women. Ash Barty, she could go all the way in the women's tournament. I think a lot of people. Certainly, might underestimate her, or not. You know, she doesn't get spoken about in the same circle of players as like Osaka or Kerber. But she is coming in with really good form, and I think she's certainly one to watch for the women. Yeah, she is in a quite a you know I think a quite a loaded quarter. She's got, I mean, still in there. She's got uh, in the reigning champion in Wozniacki, Kvitova, Sharapova, and Sabalenka. But certainly she is one of those dark horses and certainly being Australian with the Australian crowd behind her, she's definitely is capable of doing some damage and going deep in, in the AO this year. Mm, no, definitely. And I mean, arguably she would be like the favourite, you know, against Sharapova or even Wozniacki. Because Wozniacki, you know, she won her first match comfortably, but hasn't really, it's just not coming in with any form, so... You know, yeah. We'll, so we'll what? See. So Wozniacki and <laughs> Wozniacki and Sharapova, I think, are scheduled to meet in the third round. If third get, round, yeah. Both get exactly. that far. So yeah, that will be an interesting matchup. In my head, it's almost like a, you know, 2011 call, called and they want their matchup back because that feels yeah, like a, yeah. feels like a matchup that could have happened uh, quite a few years ago. Point six on our list of things we've learnt from the Australian Open so far 
is Kim, you've spotted this uh, interesting Wilson advert. Um, and also you want to talk about Kids Day. Yeah, well, basically, uh, someone on Twitter, I can't remember who, I do apologise if, if it's there, if you're listening and it was you, but they the Wilson advert for AO 2019, um, someone raised a really interesting point. Basically, on the advert, there's you've got Serena Williams and Simona Halep, you know, showing off their rackets, looking, you know, supreme, you know, professional tennis players. And then you've got seven male players. And so <laughs> I'm just talking about the gender imbalance in that. I mean, seven to two, I think that's, you know, it's not like it's four to three or whatever. It's, it's a massive difference. And basically, you know, there's a whole host of top female players that play with Wilson Rackets. And yet Wilson have decided that, seemingly they're not good enough to put on on their main sort of prime Australian Open advert and they've gone for you know a vast majority of of male players and I just think it's pretty shocking I mean I know there is we've spoken about this I think before on the podcast but you know there's a lot of kind of bias you know towards men's tennis over the women's tennis and often women just don't get the coverage or the showtime on the show courts and but I just thought that advert kind of summed that up completely. It was just so imbalanced. And then um, the kids' day as well. The um, that happens on the Saturday before the tournament. Um, you have a host of players kind of getting involved with like mascots and and they had uh, four male players and only two female players. So we had Azarenka and Osaka doing it for the women. But you had Novak Djokovic, Milos Raonic, Grigor Dimitrov, and Hyung Chun. Sorry, I'm saying his name wrong. Um, you know Chung who got to the quarters last year Mm -hmm. and I just thought why not have three and three like why do you need to have four men and two women I just think it's just things like that that kind of all added together create this like atmosphere and this like insipid gender imbalance within the sport and I just think things like that in this day and age it's it should be addressed I think I, I just think there's no excuse for that um well, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It's just like my rant coming along here. But it's just an interesting observation that, uh, yeah, someone on Twitter had made. Yeah, I, uh, I've i not seen I've not seen the ad, the the Wilson advert, but I, I would be interested to see the distribution of manufacturers in the men's game versus the versus the women's game and see if there is a an, Im, an imbalance there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at the tweet now, actually. So on the advert, they've got Federer centre stage flanked by Serena Williams and Simona Halep. And then you've got like Nishikori, Sitsipas, Ryonich, Dimitrov, Carl Edmonds on there. Um, I think Borna Koric. But interestingly, you've got a whole host of females like Venus Williams, Kvitova, Svitolina, Madison Keys, Elena Ostapenko, Sabalenka, Kiki Burtons, all playing with Wilson Rackets. Some of them are higher ranked than the male equivalents that have been put on this advert. And it just seems, I don't know, it just seems shocking, really, that they've chosen to be so heavily favoured uh, on the men's side. But maybe, you maybe know, in week send us two, your thoughts on that, guys. <laughs> maybe in week two, they're going to come out with the opposite advert with its counterpart with uh, seven female players and only two Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, if anyone from Wilson Tennis, like marketing <laughs> campaigns, are listening to this, then, uh, then yeah, hopefully they'll take take Steed and change that. Change that, yeah. yeah. Um, but that, yeah, I mean, that's that's just kind of an observation that, that I made. Um, 
But we also had just going kind of moving on to maybe something a bit <laughs> lighter. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but at the end of the Putin Saver and Barbora Stritzkova match, there was a, a funny moment where I think was it Putin Saver? She like did an iron fist of a handshake and like I don't know, almost broke Stritzkova's hand or something. And uh, there's a bit of bad blood at the end of that match, wasn't there? Yeah, this is number this is number seven on our things we've learned uh, from the Australian Open this week. And I think it's be prepared that Putin Saver could give you a frosty handshake if you've had a, <laughs> a very bad tempered match. Um, she is quite a bad tempered like player. We watched her against Heather Watson last year, didn't we, in the first round? And she was so up and down, like... It was yeah, she kind of, for plays, me, it was quite annoying, yeah. <laughs> I think she tries and channels her, you know, her aggression into, you know, constructive, into constructive, uh, into constructive play. But yeah, the uh, definitely a very frosty handshake. And it was very interesting to see uh, the eagle-eyed among you might have spotted this. But um, on Twitter, Putin Saviour, after the match, liked a tweet from the from at wta addict and that tweet said incident between yulia and stritzkova at the net dot 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 barbora is just being a bitch because she lost so um (laughs) yeah you can you can see that there's definitely some there's definitely some afters there and i'll be uh, i'll be front row for the next uh the next next play (laughs) next meeting between them two yeah i think if i was playing put in so I'll just like maybe run away at the net <laughs> then at the handshake I don't know oh dear so moving on uh, let's just take a look at the double straw so the double straw um, doubles gets underway now that singles first round has been completed um, which is great because I love my doubles I love my doubles um, and I was just looking through the draws some of the interesting things that came to mind uh, so for the men's doubles we have Bob Ryan is back back playing with Mike who last year was um with Sock with Jack Sock a very successful partnership they were but the Bryans are back together uh Bob Bryan actually has just had the surgery that Andy Murray was is thinking of having this like hip resurfacing so it'll be interesting to see how Bob Bryan does um I know it's doubles not you know not singles so a bit different physically speaking but yeah he's back so it'll be interesting to see how how he fares uh, and Jack Sock, incidentally, you know, having played with arguably, you know, one of the world's best ever doubles players last year, he's now been relegated to playing with a fellow American uh, called Withrow. Um, and he's up against the number two seeds in the first round. So <laughs> we'll see how Jack Sock um, is going to get on as well now that he doesn't have Mike Bryan to pair up with. Um, but British chances, we've got lots of Brits in the doubles draw. So obviously Jamie Murray's our kind of best hope playing with Bruno Suarez. Yeah, they've t- They're they've coming some, in with... Yeah, they've got some really good form, haven't they? They won... Yeah, they won the Sydney tournament um, and they won that, well, three years ago and then won it on to win Australian Open. So fingers crossed Jamie can uh, can channel that energy. And I mean, obviously we saw him at Andy's match, very emotional, so... I'm hoping, I don't know, he can do it for Andy, you know, <laughs> do it for us, do it for Britain. Um, but yeah, loads of Brits in the draw. Um, Joe Salisbury's in the draw and also Dom Inglot, and they're both seeded. Not, they're not playing together, they're playing with their separate partners. 
uh, but both seeded seeded in that. Luke Bambridge, Johnny O'Mara, they coming in off the semis of Pune. No, the final in Pune they made, so they're coming in with some good form. The Skupskis are playing, um, and also Cam Norrie is playing. Um, interestingly, he's playing with Taylor Fritz, who beat him in the singles first round. So um, that'll be interesting <laughs> to see how they get on. And then, I don't know, uh, women's doubles, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, no Williams sisters, they're not playing together. I don't know if they've maybe made a decision just to to no longer play doubles in slams um, or whether they'll team up for Wimbledon. Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, but I was just having a, a flick through the drawers. Some interesting partnerships came to mind. So Victoria Azarenka is playing with Ash Barty. Yeah, that's a very good, very good yeah, pairing, I think. really good. Because we know Azarenka is a pretty nifty doubles player. She got, she's got to a few mixed doubles uh, final Wimbledon, didn't she, with Jamie a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ash Barty, obviously, currently top, you know, a really, you know, informed player in the singles. Um, interestingly, Azarenka, she actually lost, didn't she, in the singles in the first yeah, round, which is a shame. Sigmund. Yeah, in, in three three sets, I think it was. Yeah, she won then, the first set. And yeah. I thought she was just going to, you know, run away with that second set. But no, mm. Sigmund uh, came back and, uh, and won it in three. Yeah, it's a shame because obviously Azarenka is a two-time former champion here and it's, it's I don't know, she just has not seemed to have regained any of the form that she had, you know, before, you know, having her, her baby, her child. So I really do hope she can get back up back up there. Um, interestingly as well, I noticed that Savalenka, who's, you know, uh, up and coming, you know, single player, we've, we've spoken about her on the podcast quite a bit before. She's actually playing Katie Boulter next. She's playing in the doubles with Elise Merton, so again another top, top yeah. singles player. So that, it's just interesting that they've decided to pair up, and you think uh, they're both kind of at that stage where they they are potentially you know slam contenders. Yeah, and that surprises me actually because certainly doubles. with Sabalenka and Mertens did very well, obviously at the Australian Open last year. Yeah, did she get to the semi final? Yeah, I think I, think, I yeah. think so. Yeah, she 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 came in relatively unheard of, and yeah, made a name for herself. I think getting to the to the semi-finals and yeah, with Sabalenka as well. I'm yeah, I'm surprised that they are playing doubles because yeah, they are definitely Sabalenka certainly is you know in that I think in that Ash Barty group of players of you know dark horses outsiders that you know on any day could certainly take out you know the the seeds above them. Absolutely. No, definitely. It's, yeah, it's just interesting when you get some of those pairings, you know. And Heather Watson's also in the doubles with, uh, actually, Tatiana Maria, who is uh, who lost to Serena Williams today in the first round. So I hope Tatiana Maria's first serve percentage improves <laughs> for her doubles match. <laughs> uh, I mean, it couldn't really get much lower, could it? So <laughs> Cool. And the final point we wanted to make as part of this, um, a part of the Australian Open, what things we've learned after the first two days of play is about the court the court names, which seem to have changed uh, quite uh, quite drastically since since last year, um, particularly with one which is now called the fifteen seventy three court. Is that right, Kim? It is. Um, when I first saw this, I just thought like what a strange name and I thought is this some significant date in Australian history 
And I thought, well, would be a bit early, I suppose, for like, you know, modern Australian history. Um, but no, I don't know if you know, but it's actually the name of a Chinese liquor, liquor, alcohol company, basically. Um, it's the brand name. So it's 1573 alcohol. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I just think it doesn't roll off the tongue nicely. I think if you're there, you're not going to be like, oh, come and meet me on 1573 <laughs> Arena. It's just such a mouthful to say, yeah. like compared to Court 2 or Court 3 or whatever. Yeah. Could you imagine um, if uh, Andy Murray versus Batista Goot was on... Fifteen seventy three <laughs> arena and that was Murray's last match and you know, people talk about it, you know, I look back on it in, you know, twenty years' time, it's like, Oh, were you there in that moment on the fifteen seventy three arena? That hallowed turf, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it also, you know, some people might think that there's one thousand five hundred and seventy three courts at the Australian <laughs> Open. It's like I know it's quite a big site, but it's not that big. Mm. Um Yeah, because also, also yeah, we also had High Sense Arena. Yes. It's no longer High Sense Arena. It's got no sponsor. It's uh, just called Yeah, it's just called the Melbourne Arena, so I'm assuming there's because there's no sponsor, so I yeah. Um it's interesting that the Chinese alcohol company didn't then go to sponsor that one, you know, because they could have made that 1573. <laughs> I don't know. Um and then but for me like I think they should rename Margaret Court Arena because, you know, then there was a bit of a, a a petition for this like last year or two years ago after she made, you know, those homophobic yeah. comments that, you know, really we shouldn't have a court in, named in her honour, yet nothing's been done about that. So if you're talking about court name changes, maybe that's the one that should be changed, but... Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. What's it's, in a name? What, what is in a name? But uh, yeah. certainly, certainly, there have been some name changes since last year at the Australian Open, and I think some hopefully won't be there in the future. Yeah. Oh, but um, yeah, we look forward to the rest of the tournament. I think we'll be back about halfway through, won't we? Sort of uh, after the fourth round, I think we'll be bringing you are next episode so uh hopefully we you know maybe we'll still have some brits in it by then is that really wishful thinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i don't think the the juniors start until the second week so oh, the ju- yeah that's what i meant the juniors yeah <laughs> also mixed doubles draw should be out like tomorrow so um i always like to see if there's any like unique partnerships um in that one cool. it's always quite fun yeah so we'll be we'll be back towards uh the end of the week uh start of next week recapping all the all the goings on at the australian open remember absolutely (laughs) remember if you want to uh like us follow us uh subscribe to us we're all on on all of the podcasting platforms out there including itunes spotify and google podcasts and remember to follow us on social media as well we're on facebook twitter and instagram if you search the passing shot uh kim any final thoughts um no just thinking i need to set my alarm well i need to go to bed and then set my alarm for dan evans uh in the middle of the night because because <laughs> fed's actually got a day session for once so um yeah we'll be up backing the brits at like 2 a.m 3 a.m 
I don't even know what time it's going to be on. <laughs> I don't even want to think about what time it's going oh, to be on. Oh, I know. But, uh... but uh, yeah, happy watching, everyone. And we'll be back shortly to review um, the next couple of rounds of AO. 